Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. We just kind of wanted to take a moment, you know, and just somewhat get the blood circulating. Uh, in case you didn't know, I used to be the hype man of the group. And um, so that's the guy that kind of gets things excited and, and gets the crowd participating and all that good stuff. Uh, when we go to summer camp, I'm, I'm the hype man. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment to share that little piece of hip hop culture with you. Because sometimes I think, you know what, sometimes church can kind of get ordinary, you know, and a little bit boring. Y- you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes it, it can seem like the service has become really predictable and maybe even somewhat repetitive at times. And I thought about it. I thought, you know what else, though, can be kind of like a little bit boring and and somewhat mundane and kind of predictable and where you kind of start losing interest a bit? Your life. (laughs) Isn't that right? Sometimes life can become boring and mundane and, and predictable and somewhat repetitive. And we can see by reading the lives of those in the Bible that God never called any of us to live some uneventful, unexciting, mundane, boring life. Like Jesus didn't go to the cross, conquer death, right? Take the victory out of the grave and the sin out of death and then turn around and say, hey, listen, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But listen, I was really thinking about it and I kind of changed my mind. And, and, and maybe it, it's okay if you just kind of, you know, lose interest and you know, just, just try to play it safe and, you know, be a little bit boring and it's okay to be mundane and all that. And so as you consider those things, has anybody ever been there? Have you ever been bored in church? Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Lord. Maybe I should, we shouldn't be asking that question, right? <laughs> I saw a lot of hands though. I will say that. Um, so I thought about what if for my life, like what if I could hire a hype man to narrate my own life? You know what I mean? Like, like, hey, oh, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't he make the boring parts of life kind of like really fun and exciting? So I thought, you know, if I had my own hype, man, I'd wake up in the morning. And as soon as I open up my eyes, I'd hear, get him up, y'all gotta get him up. Hey, get him up, y'all gotta get him up. Oh, you know, and I'd sit up in the bed and my hype man would be like, rise and grind, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I stand on my feet to get up out of the bed, and my guy's like, oh, man, somebody make some noise. He's about to make some breakfast. (laughs) You come in there, and you cook some breakfast, and then I would hear what probably every lady wants their man to do, and you would hear my hype man be like, oh, man, ladies and gentlemen, stand up on your feet. He's about to do some dishes, you know? (laughs) Some of you ladies are like, you better preach. (laughs) But wouldn't that make like life really, really exciting and and, and motivational? And here's the reality. (laughs) The reality is, is you don't need a hype man. Maybe you just need a new adventure in your life. Maybe you just need a new challenge. Maybe you just need a fresh vision from God. Maybe you just need to get in God's face in prayer and in worship and just be like, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do at this season of my life? 
And then be real honest with him, though, because sometimes I think we come to God and we act like he doesn't know what we're really thinking. So, so, so be honest and be like, Lord, listen, I'm bored with church. It's feeling mundane. I'm, I'm bored in this relationship with you. What new adventure would you have for me to engage in? Or maybe he's already given you a desire in your heart. Maybe he's giving you a desire in your heart to do, but you've been avoiding it. And maybe you're here today, or, or maybe even you're going to watch this on YouTube or online somewhere, and you've been running from the call of God upon your life. And you've been waiting on God to move in your life. And, and it could be, as we say here at Gen Life, it could be maybe God's waiting on you to bust a move. Like, like when you make a move, he'll be like, hey, oh, go ahead and do your thing, right? Maybe he's up there and like, man, I wonder when they're going to take a step. I, I wonder when they're going to make a move. I, I wonder when they're going to take a risk. I wonder when, when they're going to roll up their sleeves and instead of watching church, maybe you're online or maybe you're just sitting down in the seat. I wonder when they're actually going to stand up and roll up their sleeves and make a move, right? Like idle faith moves no mountains, what do we mean by a step of faith? A step of faith is when you feel a nudge from God to do something that you know you can't do, but you do it anyway because you sense that God's got it in your heart. And the one thing that's going to make this dream that you have or this desire that you have down in there to actually come to pass is one word that we're going to talk to, about, talk to you about today. It's called Godfidence. Somebody say Godfidence. Confidence in God. Because maybe at this season of your life, for everything that God wants to do in you and through you, you're not going to just need confidence. You're going to need Godfidence. Oh boy, it's quiet today. You, you might not think that you're a very big deal, but let me tell you, you are a piece of what God wants to do in this earth today. You may not feel that way about yourself, but that does not change the reality that God has a plan for your life. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, look, preacher, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Isn't that the old song? You know, like these kids are driving me nuts. I'm just trying to pay the bills. You know, they're out here killing me. I don't have any vision for this season of my life. But God does. Yeah, God's got a vision for this season of your life. In fact, he's got a vision, a purpose, and a plan for all of your entire life. And if I could slide back into that hip-hop mindset for a moment, you guys are kind of feeling that song a little bit, right? Like if I could slide back into that hip-hop culture, I would just say, listen, and the plan that God has for your life, you might not know this word, but it's dope. Like, this, this is going to be incredible, okay? So, so just by a simple reading of Scripture, we're able to conclude this, that everyone who comes to Christ are to be a people with an active faith, with an active, gritty, get-your-hands-dirty, real-world kind of people. Like, God doesn't want our faith to just be cerebral, you know, where we believe in God, awesome, that's wonderful. 
But God wants us to have the kind of faith that is outward. In fact, in Hebrews um, 11, in verse 6, the scripture lets us know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I think it's safe to say that we can conclude from this verse and, and from the readings of other scriptures and even from the life of Jesus himself that our faith moves God. Our faith moves God. And I believe he invites us to ask this question. If you're taking notes, you ought to jot this down. What would I do if I was confident God was with me? At this season of your life, what would you do like, if you were confident God was with you? What, what would you attempt? What, what would you initiate? What would you risk if you were absolutely convinced God was with me? So for this next season of your life, hopefully I've convinced you by now that for what God wants to do in you is not just going to take confidence. That's great if you're confident. But Godfidence. I could tell you're not ready for this one. That's okay. We're going to get it. <laughs> Acts chapter number 6. We're going to go to Acts chapter number 6. And um, let me just give you a little bit of background there because uh, this is the, the early church. And they're seeing explosive growth. Like the church is blowing up right now. People are sharing about Jesus. And people are coming and they're gathering and they're receiving Christ. They're seeing people baptized. Like their church is busting at the seams and then there's some complaints, uh, you know, against the Hebraic Jews by the Hellenistic Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily food distribution and, and, and understandable. So, so the apostles are like, well, we can't, like, stop preaching the word to handle this. So let's, let's get a couple of people who can manage this. And one of the people that are chosen is a gentleman by the name of Stephen. And so Stephen is pretty much what we would call in the scripture the first deacon, one of the first deacons of the church. Now, we don't have deacons at Gen Life. We have a ministry team who takes care of the day-to-day -day activities of the church and ministry of the church. And let me tell you something, fam. They are awesome. <laughs> Can we just put a round of applause together for our ministry team? So what's interesting about this as we jump into the scripture is Stephen really wasn't chosen necessarily to preach. He was just kind of called to serve like and to wait on tables. But he's going to let us know there's more to me than what you see. Yeah, I might start off bagging groceries, but before it's all over, I'm going to own this corporation, right? Okay, maybe that's, uh, that's maybe for my son Jackson who's bagging groceries right now. Uh, Acts chapter number six and verse eight. Are you ready for the word? All right. Everybody good? All right. Wonderful. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did wonders and signs among the people. Verse 9. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And that is messed up right there. They lied on the guy. Have you ever had anybody lie on you? All right, we better not get that stirred up. Um, because this is what happened. And they stirred up the people <laughs> and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. 
They also set up false witnesses. Ooh, boy, that's low. And said, this man, does not, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. God forbid you break tradition. Mm-mm-mm even though it's a new thing. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Have you ever noticed whenever you try to do something for God, you get opposition sometimes? Anybody? That's when the flat tire comes. That's when the tranny breaks, you know, water pressure goes out, all that. Here it is. This is this incredible move of God. It's a new thing. God is growing his church. He's moving in people's lives. And you got a handful of haters on the outside, stirring up people, trying to tear it all down. So watch this, though. While under arrest, this man is under arrest. And so he starts preaching to them and anybody else who is willing to hear. And he lets them know, he's like, hey, listen, Jesus was God's promised Messiah. And you guys crucified him. And he's just letting them know, like he's putting them on blast. And then he says, and he came back to life just to let you know that he's the boss. (laughs) Just to let you know he's Lord. Now, repent of your sins. Give your life to Christ while there's still time. I'm like, this guy is bold. You know? I'm like, if, if you're ever in the presence of a police officer like the deputy out there, you know he's real big. You say, yes, sir, no, sir. This guy is, oh, he must have been an Enneagram 8. You know, like he's just speaking his mind. So look at verse 54. Uh, It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, somebody say full of the Holy Spirit. That's key. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Watch this. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And, they witnessed, and, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now this is, you'll later know that guy is the Apostle Paul, but he was just a little guy back then. He said, if I can't throw stones, I'll hold the coats. <laughs> that guy was passionate. And so when this happened, they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is powerful. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? This is interesting because every time we look at the scripture, We always read of Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father who's seated on the throne. Like Hebrews 1 and verse 3 lets us know, he says, that when Jesus purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But when Stephen displayed this kind of Godfidence in his life, it moved Jesus in such a way that he had to stand up and give Stephen a standing O. 
Could you imagine? Isn't that something like he's standing up and he's like, you see my son down there? That's my boy right there. That's my son taking a stand for me. That's my son forgiving those who are persecuting him right now. In the midst of all of the, he's praying for his haters. Wouldn't it be something for us to live our lives in such a way that you no longer get bored with church or in your relationship with God another day, but that you would live your life in such a way that it moves Jesus to give you a standing O when he sees you walking in Godfidence. Ooh, somebody shout Godfidence. Mm. My gosh. So today... Today we're asking this question, <laughs> where do you get that kind of Godfidence from? Like, where does that faith come from? What fuels or facilitates the development of active, enduring faith? Because you probably have met people like this. Have you ever met those kinds of people that it just seems like they always got a heart full of faith? Maybe you're one of those people that just has a heart full of faith all the time, and it just seems like no matter what happens around them, they just always seem to have unshakable confidence in God. And you know, based on what Jesus taught and what my wife and I, we've seen ministry, we've been in ministry over 20 years, there are some things that are common ingredients that God uses to grow your faith. Like, let me just uh, shift into athletics for a moment. Like, God's got a playbook that works. God's got a workout plan for developing elite athletes in the faith. He, he, it works every time for him. And here's the deal. When our active faith intersects with God's faithfulness, our faith grows. Like, when we step out and, and we do what we think God is telling us to do, even though there's no guarantee of how things are going to work out, and then we experience God's faithfulness like on the back end of that, that's when your faith grows. Like your, your faith is like a muscle. How many of you guys are working out these days? Yep, there you go. There you go. A few hands. There was more hands in the other question that I have, but that's cool. But here's the deal. You know, like with, with exercise, if, if you don't work out, your muscles don't get bigger. Like if you never put yourself in an, in an environment that teaches you how to live out your faith or, or put yourself in an environment that challenges your faith or if you live a life where you're always playing it safe, you know, and it's going to be really difficult to exercise your faith. But when we experience God's faithfulness, like when your back is up against the wall and you know that if God doesn't move, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, and, and then you trust God and you say, Lord, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to trust you. And God comes through. Oh, you actually experience God in a greater way that causes you to get closer to him. And I believe God wants to build that kind of Godfidence in us. I believe God wants, wants us to press pause and to hear this word because God wants to build that Godfidence in you. So um, my son Caleb, he, um, he's not in here. He's serving in Gen Life Kids, but shout out to him. He just committed to play D3 basketball at Methodist University. Can you guys, 
Man, can you guys praise God with us? <laughs> hey, and shout out to everybody who prayed for us during that process. Um, we're, we're so grateful for you guys. And so um, Caleb, he just received the workout plan in the mail so that he can get in shape um, during the off season so that when it's time for the athletes to jump up off the bench during the season and get in the game, that they'll be ready in a moment. Now, is God speaking to anybody personally yet? Like, hopefully you're beginning to say, okay, this is not about just those people in the Bible. It's not just about Pastor Key's son. This message is actually about you. <laughs> this message is totally about you. So Coach mails this workout plan with these goals and, um, and these benchmarks, and he wants him to increase his, like, weightlifting by, like, five pounds a week, you know, and we're doing, like, these three-a-day full-body Oh, excuse me, three times per week, oh, not three a day, three times per week, it feels like three a day, three times per week, full body workouts, and man, whoo, I'm trying to do it with him, let me tell you what, it is some hard work, <laughs> we're doing these box squats, oh, praise the Lord, uh, we're doing these box squats, and, and you put the weights on there, and you sit down on the box, and you wait a minute, and he's like, Daddy, you, you're jumping up too quick. Wait a minute. And then you go to get back up. It is so heavy. It took everything possibly that, had with, that I had within me to not ask him for a piggyback when we left that gym. You know, like, I'll be behind you. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> but you know what the Word of God says? The Word of God lets us know that, that when you repent of sin and you receive Christ as Lord, that you are now on his team, and he takes responsibility for your development. God takes you on the team just as you are. And we'll say, well, I'm not good enough, or, or I can't do what God called me to do, or I'm not good enough to be in that church, or I'm not good enough to, to, to come to God like I am. And that's why the scripture says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on your heart. He's able to see the finished product. And so God's not worried about your gifting, and he's not worried about your talents, and he's not worried about your abilities. God already knows how to produce champions. He just says, hey, <laughs> come just as you are. But, Lord, you don't understand what I've been through. You, you don't understand that I'm broken, Lord. You don't understand that I'm a failure. And God is like, yeah, we, we can heal that too. <laughs> Yeah, and we've got a strong rehabilitation program here. So if you're broken or if you're hurting, you can come here. And by the time I get done with you, you will be an elite athlete. You will be a better mother. You will be a better father. You will be a better son. You will be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. God's got big plans for you. Oh, yeah, and that time you lost, mm -hmm. he can make that up too. All you need to do is take the first step of faith. Let me just give you some Bible real quick. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. You read that in your own time. But it lets us know as soon as we receive Christ, his supply of his Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And now you got your own personal coach for free of charge, living down on the inside of you. It's like two athletes in a dorm. He's just right there with you. He knows you inside, and he knows you out, through and through. And the weights that God uses to build our faith is life experience. Not, not that God is in heaven trying to like think of ways to discourage you, 
But when you bring the discourage like into God's gym, he's able to shave off that excess weight that you don't want. So he, he takes the DIS off of there. You come in with discouragement, he takes that DIS off and he sends you out with courage that you might be able to do the things that God is calling you to do or that you may even be able to do the things that you might be scared to death of to do right now. But now you got Godfidence because you've been working out your own salvation in God's gym. Oh, somebody shout Godfidence. Confidence in God. Now that's real faith. That's real faith. <clears throat> so when people tell you there's no way that you'll ever be able to do it. There, there's no way you'll ever be able to accomplish that. There's no way you'll ever be able to open up your own business. There's no way you'll ever be able to make the team. There, there's no way you'll ever be able to succeed in that field. Godfidence says, yeah, yeah, keep, keep on talking. <laughs> because that resistance is the strength that I need in order to build what God is calling me to do. Somebody shout Godfidence. Hmm. Thank God for the haters. <laughs> Thank God for those who are coming up against you. Thank God for those who said you'll never be able to do it. Thank God for those who said you're not good enough. Thank God for those who said you don't have enough education. Thank God for those who said you don't have the right funding and you don't have the right training and you came from a jacked up family or you came from the wrong neighborhood. Thank God for the haters because they gave you the motivation and the resistance that you needed to be able to build the faith to develop Godfidence in your life. Mm, good God is quiet in this Presbyterian church. I've already had the encouragement that said, hey, listen, don't worry. Like, we receive, we're, we're, like, we're shouting on the inside. Like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, <clears throat> hey, so if we don't know, or if we do know that God didn't save us just so that, like, we can play it safe. If we know that God didn't, didn't save us just so that we can kind of, like, hide out in a shelter somewhere, how come we don't take steps of faith then? Like, how come we don't take risks for God so that we might be able to do what we feel like he's calling us to do? Or how come we don't take the steps of faith and the risks to become all that God would have us to become? Like if we got the word, how come we don't do it? One word, fear. Fear. Because here's the real issue. If, if we got real, real honest right now, many of us are scared to death to be used by God. If we're going to really, really be honest, you really don't want to be obedient to what you sense God telling you to do. You know how I know? <laughs> because it's natural. It's natural to feel that way. In fact, most people in the Bible were afraid to do what God was calling them to do. And do you know what the key ingredient that separated those who, who play it safe and those who have risky faith. There's one key element right there. There's one key element that separates a, a boring Christian life from an action-packed, faith-filled life. And just so you know, gentlemen, 
This is an element in a key ingredient that every Christian woman finds them sexy in their, in their man. Mm-hmm. Now, one key, you guys got your attention now. Somebody sat up. You were thinking about buying a mattress out there, but you sat up now, and you're like, okay, come on with it, preacher. That one key ingredient is Godfidence. Godfidence. What every woman is looking to see in her man, Godfidence. What every child wants to see in their parent, Godfidence. When it looks bleak and it looks like there's no way out, yet you have confidence in God. Godfidence. And I want to encourage you that if you want this kind of Godfidence in your life, or if you want this kind of Godfidence in the lives of your children, well, then I want to encourage you to take out your phones right now. I want you to take notes, take out anything to write with, because I'm about to give you um, what, what I believe to be the key ingredients for developing that kind of faith. And I want to give you an acronym this morning, and then I'm, I'm going to move out of your way. But I want to give you an acronym for developing the confidence in God that we call Godfidence. I'm going to give you an acronym called HABITS. HABITS. And the first one... The first one, if you're taking notes, write this down, H, honor God first. Honor God first. Uh, Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So you give God your first. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop the mindset to train our mind to say, God is first. Somebody say it with me. God is first. first. Right? Like he's the first person that I speak to when I wake up in the morning. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I, I thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to lead me today. I thank you for your spirit to lead me and to lead my family. When I pick up the phone, that's the very first thing I look at is a scripture. Like even if it's just one verse, we want to read that as soon as we pick it up in the morning. And I would encourage you to read the Gen Life Devo that we have on our website. Go to generationlifechurch.com and, and get a hold of that Devo. And then what we want to do is we want to take that same question and apply it to every area of our lives that says, how can I honor God first in this situation? How can I honor God first in my relationships? How can I honor God first with, with my finances? with my time, with my talent, with my treasure. How can I honor God first? Can you say amen? Amen. Next one, A, attend church every time the doors open. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number uh, 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. In other words, we need each other. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the manner of, of some of doing, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So when I first rededicated my life to the Lord, I was kind of like a, a street kid, you know, <laughs> and I really needed a place to develop my faith. And for me, the church was the primary source to do that. It's like, it's like going into the gym. Sometimes just showing up is half the battle. Can I get a strong amen? amen? Like if you could just get there, you know what I mean? That's, that's like the battle because it's like once I get there, it's like, well, I guess I might as well go ahead and try to do a little workout. 
I mean, even if I lay on the bench and make it look like something, you know, and it's the same way when you come to church. It's like, well, I'm here. I might as well hear the word. I might as well let God fill me up, right? So I want to encourage every time the door is open for Wednesday night prayer. We have a Wednesday night prayer service where we get together on Zoom. So important. So important. We, we, have, a, a, uh, we have Gen Life groups that are here. Tuesday night, Thursday night, you can join one of those groups. We have a women's ministry. Shout out to the women who just went out on an awesome retreat. We have a men's ministry. Shout out to the men who went out to that uh, Durham Bulls game. Man, there was a lot of people out there. That was pretty cool. Um, listen, all this stuff is important to attend. You, you, your attendance is, is so important. And, and this might sound a little weird for some of you who are maybe not used to this or this kind of church, but this is the kind of church that actually values your attendance. Like, we, we love you just for being you. And maybe you haven't realized the power of your presence yet, but we're hoping that you do because you're encouraging when you come around. And hopefully, this is going to be encouraged to you, encouragement to you that if you're really desiring to grow your faith, those few things that I just named can help grow your faith. If you just attend, if you just show up and engage, just by attending these few things I mentioned, you can grow your faith. Let me give you this next one. B, be a leader. Uh, look at somebody say, be a leader. Serve somewhere in your local church. Like serve as a volunteer somewhere. At Generation Life Church, we have 12 different ministry teams that, that you can join from, like kids to uh, community to outreach to worship to production, video. People are snapping pictures on photography. Like there's so many different things that you can do. And so here's what I want you to do. If you call Gen Life Home, I want you to take out your phone and I want you to text the word connect. I want you to text the word connect to 919. 296-0908. And I want to encourage you to serve God somewhere at your local church. You'll just click church teams. Serve God somewhere. There's so many benefits to you serving. And I just want to encourage you to do it. Let me give you this next one. I invite others to church. Invite others to church. Hey, maybe invite them to receive Christ. If you, if you feel like God's moving you to do that. But um, <clears throat> tell others about Jesus. Hey, last Sunday we saw the power of the invite. We saw the most people for our Mother's Day service that we have ever seen in a church service. Come on, can we praise God for that? We had almost 200 people up in here. And, and for us, that's really, really good. What are we, 18, 19, how many months? about 18 months old, the way we started, I think that's really, really good, and that's something we're celebrating God about. So I just want to encourage you, continue to invite your friends, continue to invite your neighbors, your coworkers, anybody that you can think of to come to church. Like, let's grow this church. How many of you call this church home? If you call this church home, let's, let's do this thing. Like, let's grow this church and put all of our heart into it. And here's what we're committed to do. We're committed to, to create events that uh, your, your friends and, and first-time guests would want to actually come to. So we did our Mother's Day service. We'll have more things like that. We're about to blow it up on Father's Day. 
We're about to like cook bacon and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like we want that smell to come throughout the, the, the auditorium and outside. Like you remember those old Tom and Jerry cartoons where he would draw them in with the scent and he'd be sleeping and then he would just kind of float over. We want to have like some kind of uh, thing that, that actually draws them in. So um, we're not looking to do a potion like that. But we will create events so that people will be able to come. Um, hey, here's the reality. In the scriptures, they grew overnight, right? If every one of us invited one person, we would double our church. That would be so incredible because that means the more people that come, that's the more people that have an encounter with God and more people that will actually find themselves living an abundant life when they receive Christ and go to heaven. That's a win-win right there. Uh, let me give you T, tithe. And then I got one more for you, T, tithe. Book of Malachi. Chapter number 3 and verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Tithe meaning 10% of our income. Uh, if you really, really study it all the way on deep, on through, Tithe is more like 23.3% of your income, but, but we're just talking about 10%, which is the common tithe, tithe meaning tenth. Um, listen, you, you probably, hopefully you know my stance. Like, I believe that if you don't tithe, you can still go to heaven, okay? So I'm not one of those that says, you're a curse and you can't get in if you don't tithe. Like, that's not me, and hopefully you've never heard that before, but I have heard some crazy stuff out there before. And I don't know if you're watching TV, YouTube, who knows what you're feeding on, you know? Um, don't ever, like, have somebody say, send a grand and we'll send you a bottle of water from the Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Rub this on you and, and stay away from that junk. But what I am saying is, is you don't have to give, right? But you will miss out on a significant blessing in your life. Like, my family and I have been blessed all of our lives. All of us tithe. And I don't want you to miss out on that. And let me be as so bold to say, like, Generation Life Church, we, we thank you guys so much for giving to the church. Like, it takes finances to, to do ministry. But, but I can stand and say, I'm not, like, we're not hard up for money, okay? Like, we're not, we're not doing this so that we can get some money because we need to, you know, pay the bills or whatever. Like, we're blessed, and we want you to be blessed, too. So we just want to say thank you so much for your, for your gener generosity and your, your faithfulness in giving. Hey, um, Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of the greatest ways to display gratitude in what Jesus has done for you is to give to God financially. He said, and then I'll bless your socks off. Uh, lastly, S, study the scriptures. Study the scriptures. Man, be a person of the word, of the scriptures. That's where you get your encouragement from. So like one day, like if the preacher, you know, he shuts up and I don't preach no more, or I get a bad attitude, say, I'm not giving you the word anymore, you can feed yourself by the scriptures because you've developed the habits of going to God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to be present, or excuse me, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the scriptures. Know the word of God. Hey, let me give them to you real quick. Habits. Honor God first. 
Attend church. Be a leader. Invite others. Tithe and study the scriptures. Can you say amen? I believe that if, if we do those things, you might be able to build the confidence that you need to have to do what God is calling you to do at this season of your life. So now the only question to ask is, what's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do at this season of your life? You might be like, well, preacher, I thought you were going to tell me that. No, no. Now let God speak to you. Take that into prayer. Let's see what God would have for you to do at this season of your life. Hey, um, would you stand? We're going to go back into worship. We are about to sing about the way maker. This is one of my favorites right here. Where's Big Mike at? Okay. Man, we're about to go in. And I want to encourage you, push in in worship. And um, let's develop these habits that God might be able to do some stuff through us. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.